praise the Lord. I, I didn't want to come and speak. I just wanted us to carry on worshiping as we were. Because isn't it so easy, isn't it, when that happens? You're just in the presence of God. It's wonderful. Let's pray then, please, shall we? Father, whatever you want to do this morning, I pray that you will do. And Lord, I just simply don't want to get in the way of what Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts and minds. So help me to get out of your way, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Word rooted. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And just to put that one up for you to see. Word rooted, spirit led, worship filled, prayerful, relational, disciple makers, outward focus. And each of those, as already Steve has said, connecting to God, connecting to each other and connecting to the world. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about Word Rooted. So, Word Rooted. don't know whether you can read that, which is underneath Word Rooted there, but it says, We aim to live a life of faith and obedience based upon the Bible. God's life manual for us. So, the word that we're talking about here, then, is the Word of God. And I looked up the meaning of the Word of God, and it's this. A manifestation of the mind and will of God. So the word of God, the Bible, is a manifestation of the mind and the will of God. It says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in 2 Peter 1 verse 20, it confirms that by saying this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origins in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is an astonishing book. This is what Michael Bradley says. In one book, God has given us everything we need to know about, about himself, his son Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the basics of our salvation through his son Jesus, how he wants us to live this life, the things that he wants us doing, and the things that he does not want us doing. In this one book, are all the ways and commandments of our Lord, along with all the information we're ever going to need on what is awaiting all of us on the other side when we die or cross over. Heaven for the saved and hell for the unsaved. Not supposed to talk about that these days, are we? The Word of God is fundamental to every believer because of what it is and what it does. And I've got a slide here which has got numbers of things about what it does and what it is. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. The word can transform us. This is what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. 
than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The word can transform us. The word gives us direction. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Psalm 119, verse 105 says that. The word gives knowledge and understanding or wisdom. Psalm 119, verses 130 to 131. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Thank God that he gives understanding to people like me. The word of the Lord is flawless. It's pure truth. Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the law is flawless. Psalm 12, verse 6. The word of the law is pure, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. The word of the Lord will make you clean or sanctify you and keep you clean. Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Ergo, you can be sanctified by the truth. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 12. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. The word brings life through the spirit. John 6, verse 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are the spirit at work producing life. The word is living and active. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I can vouch for that. The word is a weapon. Ephesians 6, verse 17, Paul says it's the sword of the Spirit. And Jesus used it as a weapon in the desert to defeat the enemy when he was tempted. And we see it in Matthew 4, verse 4, because Jesus said to the devil, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, the word of God. The word of God is eternal. It lasts forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says this, The grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 119, again, verse 89, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Good things, aren't they? Good scriptures. So what we've got then is that the word of God is flawless, it's eternal, it is truth, it's a weapon, it's living and active deep inside our beings, it's a lamp for my feet, a light for my path, it's God-breathed, it gives us knowledge and understanding, and, 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 and. And so we can go on and go on. But I want you to notice that in every point that was made there about the word and the scriptures quoted, there's a common theme. And the common theme is this. Every one of them relates to activity and or transformation in our lives. It's not simply about the word. It's about what it does. See, as Christians, we need to make sure that the word of God is active in us, that it is shaping our thoughts and our behavior, and therefore our lives. So we need to study the word. We need to be trained by the word, not just in the word. 
The reason I'm emphasizing these points is pretty simple. It's because I believe how we think of the word will determine how we treat it. How do you treat the word? Is the Bible something that remains on your bookshelf unopened week after week, day after day? Or is it something you pick up and read every day? Because that's what it should be. You see, reading the word every day will do you the world of good. You will get a better understanding and a knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to build a relationship with someone, you need to get to know them, don't you? Well, in the word, you can get to know God better. Outside the word, you might get to know him some. Do you find reading the Bible hard? Do you find it boring? Some people tell me that. I can't read the Bible. It's terrible. Ever so hard. Yeah. Well, we all do at times, don't we? But think about it. That's the enemy at work. Why? Because he doesn't want you to get a better understanding of the nature and character of this wonderful, loving God. See, Bible reading will help you to get a more intimate relationship with God. The enemy doesn't want that because out of the intimacy comes the presence of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And out of the anointing of the Spirit comes power to be and do what God wants you to be and do. And it all comes from the Word. So look, don't let the Word become an end in itself, though, please. Don't reduce the Word to a mere intellectual exercise. Don't resume the Gospel to a mere intellectual message. If you do, then you're going to miss out on the supernatural encounters you can have with God through the Word. And if you do that, it can lead us to being led by our intellect all the time and not by the Spirit of God. When you read the Bible, do you expect to be led by the Spirit of God into a supernatural encounter with Him? You should. See, if God the Holy Spirit was the inspired author, then God the Holy Spirit will give you a supernatural understanding and encounters with him through his word. Simply using the word intellectually kills off any desire for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. He's not really needed here because your mind takes over. And if your mind takes over, there's no faith needed because you've got reason. But are you prepared to live beyond the realm of reason? I hope you are. Because that's what faith requires. This is what Steve was talking about. Faith. See, faith is beyond reason. And we aim to live a life of faith and obedience based upon the Bible. That's what it says in the explanation of word-rooted. Now, I'm not saying we should not use our intelligence... What I am saying is that we should not simply use our intelligence because the realm beyond reason is the realm of obedience to God. Obey his word. That requires faith, which is beyond reason. The realm beyond reason, however, can cause problems for some. And there can be two camps, I think, in here. That There are some who are simply satisfied by the word and only the word. And then on the other side of that, there are those who look all the time for an experience with God. We need to have an experience with God. We need to feel God. And for them, the experience is more important than the Word. Well, at least that's what they say, because we need to feel the presence of God. We don't need the Bible, therefore, because we've got the presence. 
Now, sometimes those who love the word frown upon those who are looking for spiritual experiences all the time, and of course, vice versa. But we need to be careful about polarization. See, if you simply look for experiences, for the feelings, without being rooted in the word, then you can be in danger. You can be in danger of being subject to the counterfeit. Danger of looking for one high after another, so that the experience then takes the place of God. Don't look for the feeling, look for God in his word. On the other hand, if you say that the Bible is all we need, then please be aware that you can also be in danger there. Note the words of Jesus to the Pharisees. John 5, 39 to 40. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, he said. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. They had the word, meaningless. Bill Johnson says this, If our study of the Bible doesn't lead us to a deeper relationship and encounter with God, then it simply is adding to our tendency towards spiritual pride. Be careful. We increase our knowledge of the Bible to feel good about our standing with God and, better, and to better equip us to argue with those who disagree with us. Anybody in that camp sometimes? Oh, I've, I've been there and I've been on both sides of that. Any group, he says, wanting to defend a doctrine is prone to this temptation without a God encounter. See, Jesus didn't say, my sheep shall know my book. What he said was, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It is not difficult to know the book. Indeed, the devil knows the book. He quoted scripture to Jesus when he was in the desert. Matthew 4 says, he quoted Deuteronomy 8.3. And then Jesus used the word to respond to the devil and defeat him, the sword of the spirit. See, anybody can quote scripture, but only those who are dependent upon the Holy Spirit will recognize the voice of God in the scripture. The Bible is very important. And God's voice, Jesus' voice, will always be confirmed by the scripture. Bill Johnson says the voice gives impact to what is in print. Study the scripture and remember that it is in knowing him that the truth of Scripture will be understood. Right. Holy Spirit. Now, let me say that I'm not here underestimating the value of the Word. We have to be rooted in the Word because it's the root that provides strength and sustenance to any plant, isn't it? Without the root, the plant would die. And I think that that's what happens to many Christians who come to the Lord and they're all fired up and then they begin to drift away. And the problem with a fire, of course, is that it tends to die down unless there's fuel. See, those people probably don't read the Bible. And soon, insidiously, without them realizing it, they no longer walk with the Lord as they used to do. Folks, read your Bible and the Holy Spirit will bring you back into a place that you need to be. And only He can do it. Nobody else can. You cannot read, understand, and obey the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. The enemy would be happy for you to read the Scriptures without the anointing of the Holy Spirit because it would make it 
useless, pointless. Let me illustrate this. Incidentally, I said this in the first service. This is my personal view, okay? This is not Riverside doctrine. I, I, I've got to say that just in case. It says in the Bible that Jesus is the living word. Agreed? In the beginning was the, John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and there was nothing made without him, etc. And then the word became flesh. Now, in Philippians 2, verse 7, Paul says, Then the Son, Jesus, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, coming to earth then as Jesus the man. Now, there is a debate about what made himself nothing means, and I don't want to go into that. So let me say that he was fully God and he was fully man, and that's an unfathomable mystery to me. I don't understand it. But suffice it to say at this point that Jesus chose to operate in the restricted field of humanity and not in his deity. You with me on that? Great. Now, the only record we have of the enemy being bothered by the coming of Jesus, early record anyway, is when Herod tried to kill all the children under two years of age. Happy? Good. There's no other record, is there, of him trying to stop Jesus, even though Jesus was fully aware of his purpose, and that is to be about his father's business. Twelve years old in the temple, debating, he knew the word. But the next mention of the enemy was in the desert when Satan tried to tempt him. Oh, okay. Now, when did that happen? Oh, that happened after Jesus was baptized and anointed with the Holy Spirit. So God spoke. Jesus the man became Jesus the anointed one. Luke 3, verses 21 to 22. And it was the anointing of the Spirit of God on Jesus the man that made Jesus the man a threat to the enemy. Hence his attempt to stop him. But Jesus knew the word of God before that time, didn't he? So it wasn't the word of God that was the problem. It was the anointing on the word of God that was the problem. Because Jesus seemed to be no threat to the enemy simply by knowing the word. The threat came when the word was put into action by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The enemy was fearful of the anointed word then and he still is. It's exactly the same today. I'm getting excited. We can know the word of God and the enemy says, so what? But if we have the word and the spirit's anointing, then he fears us as well. See, intellectual knowledge is not worth a jot unless there is the anointing of the spirit. And the anointing of the spirit is the presence of God. Having the word without the spirit, the presence of God is worthless. You won't change your life by simply knowing the word. You have to apply it. The devil knows the word, but it didn't change him, did it? For us to say that we have the word and we don't need the spirit to help us is arrogant and dangerous nonsense. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. He, that's God, has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. How about this? The Israelites in the wilderness had the experience of the presence of God. Pillar of fire by night, pillar of smoke by day. Great. Exodus 13, verse 21. And that was essential for them, wasn't it? He guided them and he guarded them through those manifestations of his presence. But during that time, Moses was given the Ten Commandments and the law. So now they had the word of God. Oh, we've got the word of God. We don't need your presence anymore. 
No, no, no. Moses said, look, we are not going anywhere unless you go with us. See, they had the word, but they needed the presence of God as well. So do we. We can have the word, and we need the anointing of the Spirit. We need both. But if you don't have the word, of course, you're at a disadvantage. How can you pray the word into people's lives for them to be released from anxieties, for them to be freed from illnesses, for depressions to be lifted, if you don't know what the word says about these things? You need to know it. How can you be sure what God would say through his word to someone who needs help and guidance if you don't know God's word? You're just talking off the top of your head then, aren't you? So the word and the spirit need to come together in power. Are you with me so far? Good. The last thing about the word for me, the word needs to be preached. The word must be spread. But with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, got to be. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And then we read the signs and wonders accompanied this. He sent out his 12, and the same thing happened. He sent out the 72, and the same thing happened. And they came back, didn't they, the 72, rejoicing, because the demons submitted to them in Jesus' name. See, they had the word, but they also had the anointing of Jesus in order to go out and do that. And then he ascended into heaven. But immediately before he ascended into heaven, he spoke to you and me. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word has to be spread abroad. The commands of Jesus are the word. It's incumbent upon us then to know the word and to be able to speak and teach the word whenever we need to do so. But only with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. But when the Word and the Spirit come together, then we will see signs and wonders. In the early church, that was always the case. Whenever the Word was spoken, there were signs and wonders to confirm the speaking of the Word. All through the books of Acts, we see this. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 to 5. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the, of the Spirit's power. He spoke the words, but it was an anointed word. Therefore, he saw the power coming. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. He said to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1 verses 4 to 5, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply in words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. And then we read in Hebrews verses, chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, God also testifies to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Can you see what's happening here? The word is preached, Holy Spirit anointing it, boom. And then you see the signs and the wonders, the powers. Now, do we want to see that? Well, that's a few of us. Do we want to see that? Oh, good, good. I'm, I'm glad you said that, because otherwise I'd be disappointed. Well, what do we have to do then in order to see these things happen? Well, 
The first thing I think we need to do is this. We need to repent of any lack of belief. Because I think seriously that every one of us probably has a lack of belief in relation to the signs and wonders following the word. And then we need to speak the word with conviction and belief that God will confirm his word with signs and wonders because that word will be anointed. Now let me put that another way. We need to, need to live a life of faith and obedience based upon the word of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit, which of course is where I started. But that requires commitment, it requires courage, it requires spending time in the word, listening to God, and then being empowered by the Holy Spirit to step out and do what the word says. James says, doesn't he, we must be doers of the word, not simply hearers, because if we simply hear us, we're deceiving ourselves. Now, I know some people who say, well, I read the word and then I'm waiting on God to move. I heard someone quote William Booth the other day and I looked it up. William Booth said this, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Let me encourage each one of us here today to see ourselves as a move of God. Because if God has given every one of us a gift of the Spirit, and he has, then we need to exercise that gift so that the body can function properly. If you don't exercise that gift, and I don't care whether you're in the middle or at the edge, it doesn't matter. If you've got a gift from God and you have, you need to exercise that God, that God-given gift. Then you become a move of God within and, I pray, without the church as well. So my question is this. If I said to you, why don't you think of yourself as a move of God? What would it mean to you? Let's be quiet. Close our eyes for a moment, please. See, what has the Holy Spirit said to you this morning, which you need to put into action? Only you and he knows that. But what I would do is to encourage you to respond to his prompting today so that you can move into what God has for you. May I say that standing still is not an option for the Christian? God wants us all to develop and grow to maturity. So we need to step out with courage and determination. We need to read the word. And we need to see what God will supernaturally say to you in that word. It will change you, I guarantee. But you have to want to change. Now, I am in the boat but I need to get out of the boat. And when I'm out of the boat, I need to say, Lord, change me. Make me different. Move me, Lord, into where I need to be, both in you and in order to be, not just the person you want me to be, but to do the things you want me to do. Fill me afresh, Lord, with your spirit this morning.
I stand before you this morning in complete and total weakness because it's God who does the things, not me. And if you're in that boat where you feel like that, then what I'd really like you to do is to, to make a decision this morning to stand and to say, Lord, I want to read your word in a new and a fresh way. I want to encounter you in your word. I want to know the presence of God through your word. I want you, Father, and you, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, as I read the word, to come and allow me to be filled afresh with the anointed word of God so that I may then go out and be and do what you want to do. Now, if that's you this morning, then I'm going to ask you to stand and make a decision. I don't care what you've been like before, it doesn't really matter. But please, if that's you, then stand with me now while we pray. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Father, we open our hearts to you now. We open our spirits to you. Father, we stand before you and in all humility we thank you that you are the Lord God Almighty. We thank you, Lord, that your word is eternal, it is truth, it will last forever. And Lord, I want to pray that each one of us will make that commitment today to get into your word and as we get into your word, Lord, to have that expectation in our hearts that you will speak to us, that you will guide us, you will lead us, you will prompt us, and sometimes, Lord, through your word, you will rebuke us. But everything will be for our benefit. I pray, Lord, that as we read the word, we will become more mature, we will get to know you better, to know the love of God and the power of God. And as the Holy Spirit reveals you, and your word and your character and your nature to us, Lord. I pray that we can then assume some of that character of God, that we can go out and be the people you want us to be. So, Lord, we bless you now and thank you and we worship you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this word, Lord. Help us to live a life by faith and obedience based upon that word. In Jesus' name. Amen.